I loved little Claire there. Freddie, Freddie! Absolutely wonderful. Well, good morning, everybody. Are we all in good heart and good spirit? Wonderful. In a moment, we're going to be continuing with our series um, called Strengthened from the Life of David. But before we do that, uh, we had an email come in this week, and it was written uh, from a gentleman called James, who is the uh, curator for the Garden Buildings Direct blog. This is what he says. I'm just emailing to let you know that the Arena Community Garden, which is just up there on Hena Road, has just been listed as one of the top community garden projects in the United Kingdom. As part of an article on the subject by Guardian journalist Leah Lenderts. So, congratulations to those who are involved in the community garden. We know that Kat has, uh, really was a catalyst to get us moving, and Lisa and other people who are involved in that. It's absolutely wonderful. And uh, this is all forms part of uh, making the community livable again. And we're wanting to continue to do things. You may say, well, what's so, such a big deal about the garden? The garden's very important because it's gathered all kinds of people from the community. And it opens up all kinds of conversations that we're able to have, as well as we're able to grow produce that we then can give away or use uh, for, for, for food. So that's wonderful, isn't it? If you'd like to turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel in chapter 17, and as we do that, let me just give you a little bit of a, an understanding when I use the word strengthened. You may need... Uh, your mobile or your iPad or a pen or a piece of paper because there's going to be many verse references that I'm going to go to. It's going to be very unusual for me in that I'm using a lot of Bible this morning. Okay? So I'm using a lot of Bible because my subject, and I'm a a man of uh, integrity and I like to, I not like to, I need to do as I'm told. And Phil said, please speak from strengthened, from the life of David, strengthened for victory from 1 Samuel chapter 17. So I'm doing as I'm told. And as you do that, as you find that, uh, strengthened, what are we talking about? What it means to make strong. It means to be stronger. Everybody say stronger. It means to build up. It means to give strength to. It means to make healthy and nourish. This is what we are talking about when we say strengthened. We're wanting to make you stronger. We're wanting you to have bulging spiritual biceps. We're wanting you to be strong on the inside. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So when trouble comes, you can face that trouble head on. Yeah. This is what we're talking about, seriously. Spiritually strong, strengthened. So when we're talking about strengthened for victory, we're going to take 1 Samuel 17 this morning, and we're going to take the life of David. Let me just give you a reminder. And please, if you weren't here last week, please look at the podcast. It's very easy to just find out. iTunes, just type in Arena Church. It'll come up. Go onto our website and you'll see there under media, it drops down to podcast. Just listen to the messages that go on because they'll help you. Last week, Phil reminded us 
how God chose a shepherd boy, the least. And he anointed him to be the future king. There were seven other brothers that passed by and Samuel thought these were the guys because they were tall, they were strong, they were the oldest, they had the best places around the father's table. But none of those were what God wanted. God says there must be another one and there was out in the fields tending his father's sheep by the name of David and David was the one. He was to be the future king. Now you may wonder, that's wonderful. Now he's going to be king. But we notice the next chapter, what David is doing. Because after the anointing service, he was sent back to the fields. He was sent back to look after the sheep. Have you ever wondered, just for a moment, I'm going to digress and I must stay focused on my notes, but just to think about it. He's just had this great big anointing. There's been this hoo-ha, because don't think that all the brothers were happy that they were overlooked, because they weren't. Read 1 Samuel 17 and how they responded to him. For those who know the Bible, you'll see the response. So there's this big hoo-ha, Samuel's flabbergasted, sorry, yeah, uh, Jesse is flabbergasted, the father, David, you must be kidding, that kind of reaction Here's the one that Samuel pours the oil. There's all this oil flowing. And then what happens from there? What do you do after that? It's kind of when you've had an amazing meeting and you don't know how to close it. What do you do? Anybody ever been there? What, 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 what do you do? Well, this is what David did. His dad said to him, get back to the fields and look after the sheep. Some of you have been anointed and yet you're still in the fields looking after the sheep. Just keep looking after the sheep. Because in due time, God will do what he needs to do. He'll do what he needs to do. The problem is, many of us have had the oil on us, so we think now that's a divine right to step into our God-given. And actually, timing is so important. Timing is so important. So let's get back to that. That was free. That was just an extra. That was a Brucey bonus. Anyway. So we'll pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And it talks about David and Goliath. Let me just say, this story is a powerful reminder, listen to me, that big can defeat small. There's been many Hollywood films that have come out of David and Goliath. Yes? Superman defeats, I know he's supposed to be big, well Clark Kent defeats, you know, the little man defeats... There's all kinds of films, books that have been written around this. And we see here that big can defeat small. That God can overcome evil. And David was strengthened for victory and so can we be. And there are three things, we'll get them right to the end, that we see from this story that will help you to overcome the giants in your life. Now in a moment, we're going to watch a clip and then... For the next few minutes afterwards, for those who have no idea what I'm talking about, David and Goliath, I'm going to take you through a little bit of the story. Because I don't want to assume that you all know the story. So I want you to take through it, and then we'll look at these three things. But if we can just have the lights dimmed, and if we can watch this clip, then this would be helpful. Thank you.
apologize for the Americanism. It was the best clip that I could find. But we see there the culmination of David fighting Goliath, and we'll come on to that in a moment. But let me just take you through the text. And the reason why I'm doing this and showing you a clip is because really what I should have done is read the full 58 verses of Scripture this morning to give you the understanding of what this story means. But because of time, we won't do that. But I just want to say for those who are unsure, I've already said about David being the shepherd boy. And he was anointed to be king, to take over the kingdom of Israel. But we see in 1 Samuel 17 that there was potentially a fight going to happen. It was between a group of Philistines and the nation of Israel. And we pick up in verse 4. It says, a champion named Goliath. Notice the word champion. A hero. A fighting man. He was from Gath. And he came out of the Philistine camp. And he was over nine feet tall. Our Isaac and Lilia, they're presently going to basketball on Fridays. They absolutely love it. And on, in a couple of Fridays time, they have the joy of the club welcoming the largest um, basketball player presently. He's seven foot eight. He's British, ironically, as well. You'd have thought he was American, but he's actually British. Now, there's some tall guys here amongst us. There's Dave Farnsworth, who's tall. I mean, there's Darren, who's uh, often here. Uh, Terry's tall as well. There's Mike, who's a big unit. There's other guys around. The, 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 that's what they call me as well, Mike, as well. So I get that. There's, there's, guys, there's guys around here who, who, are, who are tall. But this guy, this giant, this fighting man from Gath, was head and shoulders above them all. I'm six foot one and a bit. He's another three foot, because he said over nine feet tall. And put another, you know, half of me again, and we're talking the size. And of course, it doesn't just mean half again. We're not talking about a slender guy. We're talking about a big unit. This is the kind of guy that Goliath was. No wonder the Philistines felt so confident. And it says that they were lining up against the Philistines. Let me take you now to verse 10. The Philistine, which is Goliath, every day came and said, I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. Give me a man. Send me a man who I can fight. Choose a man and have him come down to me. Can you imagine that? Day after day, night after night, afternoon after afternoon. As Israel is on one side and the Philistines are on the other side, there's this nine-foot champion and he's booming this, this message out, send me a man. Send me a man. Let's fight. And it was booming across the valley. This is why you have to get into the text of it all. And what was interesting to note is this. Verse 11. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. The tragedy of this, it describes Saul as being head and shoulders above everyone else. Saul himself 
was not a small man. And yet, he was frightened and terrified by this champion called Goliath. Saul should have been leading from the front, not being terrified and dismayed. But because of the king, because he was presently the king, because of his terrifying of the situation, the whole nation were terrified. This is the context in which we're reading this morning. Now, interestingly, I don't think heaven was happy with the situation. Because you must understand that Israel was God's nation. These were God's people. And they were frightened by a man who was uncircumcised, who didn't belong to God. They were frightened. Who do you think stepped into the story? God did. God sent a man by the name of David, a shepherd boy, a young boy. And what happened was, Jesse wanted to do some FedEx. But FedEx wasn't around. Because he needed to get some supplies to his boys. So he said, David, you're FedEx for the day. You're going to get up early and you're going to take some bread and you're going to take some cheese to your brothers and to the commander. So David being a dutiful boy, because that's all I get from the scriptures, he left. And he went to this battle situation. David saw how the Israelites saw Goliath and how they were running from him in fear. So David steps into the camp. He hears this booming voice. He begins to ask some questions. Who is he? They say he's this champion from Gath. He's shouting out to send a man. And then he hears that the Saul, king, King Saul, had said, whoever will go and fight him, he'll give his daughter for, and he'll give him wealth. So David thinks, this is a great opportunity. Because I know that with my God, I can scale a wall. With my God, I can run through a troop. With my God, nothing is too difficult. This little boy. And so he walks into this camp. His brothers, they get annoyed with him, angry with him. Just clear off. You just want to see us fail. But he continues to persist. Because David says this in verse 26. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. And so they hear of David saying, I'll go and fight him. And they bring him before the king. He comes before the king. And in verse 32, it says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. And he's been fighting from his youth. Verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off his sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it down and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant 
has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Verse 37, listen to me. This is so important, this verse. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. He then goes. He goes with a sling and five stones in his bag. They try to put on, put on him Saul's armor. They try to give him the king's sword and spear. But it's uncomfortable because God wanted to show to everybody that actually they didn't need the, the means of man. This was a God thing. And so he said, I can't be doing with all this clutter. So he laid it down. And we read again. Let's go further on into the text because as he begins to walk towards this giant, he says in verse 42 that Goliath looked David over. Have you ever, ever had that where somebody's looked you over? And you can tell in their face they think, Ian, up for the job. I love that kind of response. So I like to show them, actually, I am up for the job. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some people who have looked down the noses at you, don't let them look down the noses at you. You've got what it takes to do what you need to do. Are you hearing me this morning? If you're the people looking down your noses, stop it. Goliath was looking down. He looked down on this little boy. I can't even say it's equivalent to me and Josh. Josh is slightly smaller, but it's almost like this kind of thing. And he's looking this guy down, thinking, you must be joking. I could eat this. It's not even breakfast. It's a little baby snack for me. No problem. No problem at all. And he says, the text says this. He looked David over. He saw that he was a boy. He was ruddy. He was handsome. There was no battle scars to him. There was no experience to him. There was no nicks and cuts out of his body or his life. Nothing like that at all. And he despised him. This is a great chapter for you to read. Please go and read it. You'll get so much out. He despised him. I want to tell you, the enemy despises us. He despises you. He absolutely despises you. He despises who you want to live for. He despises who who you worship. He despises the very thing you've done this morning. He despises everything about you. He looks you over and accusingly says to you, you're not up for the job. You can't do anything. You can't take me. You can't sort anything out. Anybody ever had those accusing voices? I certainly have. But we see here, He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said. I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. I love this text. Oh, I love this text. My time's nearly gone and we've not even got to the three points. I just love this text. Just let it wash over you. The accusation, like somebody's, they're just, 
Come on then, have a go. You've all seen it down the pub. But come on then, have a go. Some of you have been in the context of pub and you've done it. Come on then, have a go. The classroom bully. The school ground bully. Come on then, have a go. Sorry, I don't mean to smack you. Okay. Come on then. It's this kind of thing. Who are you? You can't take me. You're not big enough to take me. Unlike the England team, (laughs) David didn't choke. And I was a big fan of the England fan and always will be, but let's not go there. He didn't choke. David did not choke. I have to be honest, there's been times when people have intimidated me and have come at me and I've choked. I'm gulping. I'm not ashamed to say I'm gulping it internally. I'm like, get me out of here. Please, I just need to. I'm not just talking physically, but you just, anybody know what I'm talking about? You're in a context and you don't want to be there and you think, God, just get me out of here. They're too strong for me. They're too big for me. I can't take these on. Who am I? Who am I to take these on? And we choke it. I'm trying to strengthen you, make you stronger. You have what it takes. You have what it takes. You don't need me to stand with you. There are times when that needs to happen, but you have what it takes. You have what it takes. There are times when we need to stand together, trying to make you stronger on the inside. You don't need to keep ringing the pastor. You have what it takes. Everything that God has in heaven is yours. This is what David knew. That's why he didn't choke. There was no arrogance in David. Verse 45. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. Actually, he would have said it like this. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. I'm joking. Who knows if his voice is broke or whatever. But I come against you. In the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me. I love that kind of thing where they turn turn it back on. No, I'm going to have you, and I'm going to have you in a few minutes, fella. It's that kind of, you know, don't you start on me. I'm going to have you. Really? Can you imagine Goliath? He's bouncing. He's, I'm going to have you, he says to him. I'm probably being a little bit more cocky. I don't think David would have said it like that, actually. And I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give you the carcasses of the Philistine Philistine armies to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole, listen to me, this is so important, verse 46. And the whole world will know. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. That gripped me. The whole world will know. That's why David was doing this. David wasn't doing it to get the king's daughter. He wasn't getting it to be written in a book. He was sick and tired of God's people being at the bottom. He was sick and tired of somebody slagging off the name of Jesus, the name of God. He was sick and tired of cursing and people having a go at his God. Anybody ever get sick and tired of people shouting the mouth off and shouting the odds? If you're from, if you've been like that, I've got a message to you because God wants to change your life. Some of you have been doing that. 
But I get really, really frustrated when people are shouting the odds about church, shouting the odds how bad God is, shaking the fist of God. And this is what David was like. And he said, the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. It then says that David and Goliath moved closely together. They attacked one another. But before Goliath could he get even anywhere close to David, he reached in his bag, he took a stone. Again, he didn't choke it. Imagine, anybody been like that? You're just trying to get out of the way, and, you, and you're trying to get into a door, and you're like that, aren't you? More tried, you're not nervous, David. He was just, he, he just was brilliant. There were none of that. Anybody see the Brazil penalties and the, the um, penalties? Boy, they were choking it, weren't they? And they're all going on about how nerve-wracking. Well, I understand it's nerve-wracking, but get it in the net. Old Neymar just walked straight up there, 22-year-old. Bang! Yeah, there we are. That was David. That was David. Huh. And it says there, verse... 50, David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Underline it. Without a sword in his hand. Without a sword in his hand. Three things that I want you to understand. Strengthen for victory. Three principles. We needed to do all that so you've got the context of the story. Have you now got the story? Have you now got the story? There are three principles that need to stick in our lives from this story that need to stick as we face our battles and giants because we're talking about somebody else's battle, but you've got some battles. You've got some challenges. So what does God want to say to you today? Three things. Number one, it's not where you started or where you start that matters. It's not where you start that matters. We've already said it. He was a shepherd. He was the lowest of the low. He was out in the fields, tending his father's sheep. He had to take on the lion and the bear, and nobody was bothered, and nobody saw him. We all like to do things that everybody sees us do, don't we? He was taking on a lion and a bear, but nobody around to see it. There was no films. Let's take a film of this, because that was quite cool. But nobody saw it. It was unknown. You see, because he was just out there. Some of us make this as an excuse. We've got to throw away, erase the excuse of our pasts, our experiences, our lifestyles. Some of you aren't bright enough. You aren't clever enough. I was listening to a Bill Hybels, and he was talking about tape recently. He was talking about leadership development. He says, one of the things I now look like for is now, uh, I can't remember the term that he used, but it was like... uh, incredible um, intelligence. And it wasn't just uh, uh, emotional, it was real intelligence. And I thought, I'd never get on this staff. I'd never get on this staff. He's got Harvard graduates and all kinds of stuff. I wouldn't have a, I'm not looking to go on his staff, by the way, but I'd never get on his staff. And in the cars I'm driving, I thought, but God, you love me. I've got something to do for you. I'm not saying I'm daft. I'm not daft. But I'm not at that level. And some of us make it as an excuse. We mustn't make it as an excuse. Some of you are dead bright. Use your intelligence. Some of you aren't as bright. Don't make that, let that be an excuse. Throw away the excuses of education. 
Some of you have been in prison here. It's not a problem to me. Is it a problem to you? It's not a problem to God. God wants to use you. Jonathan Aitken, who Phil mentioned to, has been in prison. And God's using him. Don't allow where you've started or where you've been to stop you from going where God wants to get you to. You may say, well, I've been divorced. And? And? I'm not being flippant about divorce. I'm just saying and. Well, I've been bankrupt. And? Have you learned from these things? Are you learning from these things? Because they're not excuses to God. So listen to me. Point number one, if you want to be strengthened for for victory, it's not where you started that matters. Have you got that? It's not where you started that matters. Number two, so pleased that Julie, she didn't know what I was going to say. She was talking about from Psalm 20. The second thing that I see from David is he trusted God. Trust God. What does he say in verse 37? Let's go back to it again. It says there, the Lord will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Verse 32, let no one lose account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Let me read it to you. David knew that God was able to overcome. How could a Goliath win against God? There's no competition. He knew that God was in him. This is why I'm trying to strengthen you. When you walk into that workplace, you don't go alone. You go with God. God goes with you. When you go into that school, you go with God. When you go into that exam, you go with God. When you go into that challenging environment, you go with God. Know that God goes with you. Look in the mirror and when you're in the morning. I'm serious and say, thank you, God, that you go with me. God goes with you. There's nothing where you go where God hasn't already gone before you or is going with you. How could Goliath win against God? It was no competition. And David had a simple trust in God. He knew that his God was able. He knew that God would never fail him. He was the one who wrote Lindsay's favorite psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Listen to me. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is David who wrote this psalm. There was a simple trust in God. Saul was frightened. The nation was frightened. His brothers were frightened. But David was not in the least frightened. He was not in the least discouraged. This was David's opportunity for God to show his power through him. That test, that trial that you're presently facing... Listen to me, it's an opportunity. An opportunity? Surely not, Christian. Yes, an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to show to everyone else how big God is. How big God is. I used to think that happiness in life 
was having no issues in my life and running away from issues because God wanted to make my life happy. And actually, what I realized is this. God will bring trials and tests to my life. He, doesn't, he just allows them to come at times because actually it's an opportunity for me to show how great God is. We've sung it this morning. So that trial you're going through, don't run away from it. Press into it. You may say, well, it's easy for you to show. No, I've, I have my own challenges and trials. Anybody around me? It's, I'm, not, I'm not avert, you know, they don't touch. Of course they touch me. They touch all of us. But we have to press in to those things. And there are opportunities to show how God and how big he is. So it's not where you started that matters. We need to trust God. And the third thing is this. What I get from this story, God uses the small to defeat the gigantic. God always uses small things to defeat the gigantic. Look at this, just for a few minutes and we'll be nearly done. Boy against man. Who's going to win? In the natural. Man. Shepherd. With a warrior giant. Who's going to win? Help me. Only Phil's getting involved in this. Come on, I want more than Phil. Sling and stone against spear and sword. God always uses small things. So I look around here, I look at us. I've said this to you many times before. I'm not being rude. I don't see as... Paul said to the Corinthians, the the sharpest, the brightest, those from noble worth, those from kings. I don't see them amongst us. But you see, God takes the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God takes the small things. God takes a small market town and begins to do something incredible for him. God takes a small vision and then makes it a big vision. God takes a few hundred pounds and makes that into millions of pounds. God always takes small things to take on the gigantic. And the gigantic gets really frustrated by that, by the way, every time. But actually, it's the small things that God uses to defeat the gigantic. That situation that's too big for you, It's not too big for God. You may say, I'm not big enough. He doesn't ask you to be big enough. He just asks you to bring what you've got. He asks you to trust him, lean into him, and he will do it. How many times does God use small things to defeat the big? Three examples. Gideon. And how many men? 300. To take what? Take a nation. The Midianites. Joshua and his men, we did it last week. Josh led us in it. What did they do to take Jericho? They walked round it, they blasted a few trumpets, and they raised a shout. How ludicrous. How ludicrous. And yet the city walls came down. I love this one. Samson, the Philistines come towards him, said, I'm going to tie you up. Really? The whole nation of Philistine. There were about a thousand guys there. He saw a jawbone of a donkey. See, I'm, be- I'm behaving myself. You know, not of an ass. Of a donkey, okay? And he gets this donkey's jawbone. 
And what does he do? Those who know the Bible, what does he do? How many does he kill? Single-handedly? Single-handedly. How is that possible? Well, it's not. Other than with God. God always uses the small to deal with the gigantic. Don't underestimate what God can do with some of you. Don't underestimate what God can do. He wants to use you to deliver your household. He wants you to deliver your office. He wants you to deliver your school. He wants you to deliver your college. He wants you to deliver your neighborhood. He wants you to deliver. Wherever you find yourself, he wants you to deliver it. It says in verse 50, David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Strengthened for victory. It's not where you came from that matters. It's not where you started. It's about trusting God. It's about understanding that God always uses the small to defeat the gigantic. I really pray that some of you have written those statements down. Because I believe that God's going to help you. Because some of you are facing some difficult challenges and situations. Some of you have been keep, keep coming around the same things, the same things. And God's wanting to teach you something. He's wanting you to enter into something. In this time, I believe, here at Arena Church, God is wanting us to believe for more. And God is not wanting for us to be limited by the stuff that we can so easily be limited by, but for us to press in and believe as David did for God to bring deliverance even through a very small and insignificant boy. I wonder if we'd bow our heads and we're going to pray.